Welcome to Paulistic Behind the Curtain. If you are a theater fan at all, you know that music you just heard because it's one of the classic and very popular songs from the musical Spring Awakening, which is currently playing at the Porchlight Music Theater. It's going to be there through June 2nd, but it's been a long time, I think, since Spring Awakening has been in this city, and nobody does theater better than the Porchlight Music Theater. So let's get right into this show, and let me introduce my guests for our discussion today. Uh, first of all, we have two of the stars of the show. Playing Vendla is Maya Halava. Uh, Maya, you've just been getting these rave reviews everywhere. Congratulations. <laughs> I mean, right, you're kind of new to, to maybe playing the lead role in, in these major productions. Is that is that right? Yeah, it is. And that sets up a whole new standard for everybody else. Jack also getting good reviews. Jack DeCesare, you play Melchior uh, in this show. And also, I mean, this is kind of, I, I think for a young performer, this is kind of a dream role to have. Oh, my God, absolutely. I mean, I can say, I think, without a doubt, that it's one of the most special projects I've ever been a part of. And of course, both of you get guided and choreographed by and directed by one of the city's most incredible directors and choreographers, Brenda Didier. And Brenda, you've done so many shows, but was Spring Awakening providing a bit of a, of a different challenge because everybody was sort of cast true to age and all of that for this show? Yeah, this was definitely a different challenge in that way. But at the same time, it didn't feel any different than telling a story. I guess for this, but this was extra special because they are so young, and there was just so much. There was a lot of layers to the journey, and I'm just really proud of everyone. And first of all, for people who don't know the story, there are people who don't know. This is an old tale. This wasn't a story written in you know 1994. Um, <laughs> so Maya, let me come to you. What is the story of Spring Awakening for people who don't know? So the story of Spring Awakening focuses on a group of uh, teenagers who are figuring themselves out, going through puberty, figuring themselves out sexually, emotionally, all of the above and all the obstacles that teenagers have to go through still to this day. And that well put. And Jack DeCesare, see, gotta say it right. Um, talk to me about, about your character and, and kind of the group of guys that, that you hang with because each of them has, uh, they play a special role, a special uh, part of the group of friends that you have and schoolmates that you have. Yeah, the schoolmates are a tight bunch. I think having to be so uniform with everyone sort of creates that natural bond anyway. Like if you've ever been on like a sports team or a, a group where you have to be completely tight, uniform, same thing, same posture, dress the same way, move the same way, talk, sing the same way. So you sort of operate on the same wavelength after that. And in the story, Moritz, the, one of the other characters, happens to be my best friend of all of them, even back to childhood, as they mention in the story. And by the way, Jack, out of curiosity, this was just fortuitous timing, but HBO just started airing a special uh, documentary, if you will, about Spring Awakening from the original cast back in 2006. Jonathan Groff, Leah Michelle, all these great people. Did you, have you seen that special that's on HBO, Jack? 
Yeah, funny enough, actually, we got together as a cast last night at Quinn, the the um, the guy who plays more at his apartment, and we all watched it together. Um, ah, then I, then I was going to ask Maya the same question, but I don't have to because now you've all seen it. And 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 by the way, Maya, what as a documentary, I just think for people to come see the show, I highly recommend that they actually watch the documentary because it just it enriches the experience so much. Did you find it that to be that for you? Yeah, totally. I think. You know, my mom and my dad were watching it the other night, too, and I, 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 I chimed in at that, too, to watch a little bit of it. And I think it teaches you a lot. Um, it talks a lot about what they had to go through in order to get to where they are now. So I think it's a, it, it was nice to watch because it is, it is a demanding and hard show. So seeing that, you know, that that's recognized and everyone feels that way when they do it is it's good. Yeah. And Brenda, when when, um, when the ensemble cast of, of uh, Spring Awakening appeared on our WGN Morning Show with my my friend Annabelle Laval, I thought, how are they going to <laughs> how are they going to do this? Because there's some you know pretty uh, interesting things in that show that may not be uh, for all viewers that we get in the morning. And of course, Anna kept saying this is the PG thirteen version <laughs> of this show. But but let me ask you, talk about uh, I mean the fact that this 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 is a show written back in the 1800s, whatever it was, but, but the themes are so present today, and, and that was, it was pretty advanced for back when this thing got written. Very much. It was written in 1891 by Frank Weekin, and it was about the themes that, you know, teenagers go through, whether it was back then or even now, and it's about school and home and church, and back then they didn't have Google, they didn't have internet, and the kids were just asking questions of their parents, who also were raised in a different time. And we don't get the answers, right? You you have beautiful and also tragic consequences to things that you don't know about. So the show deals with a lot of things um, and a lot of themes, you know, sex, masturbation, abortion, suicide. I don't want to give too much away, but it deals with things that are, you know, as I just said, not too far off today. Teenagers go through all what they go through, the same thing. And sometimes with Internet, there is a disconnect at home because they don't talk to each other. And that's, I think, what we're talking about in rehearsal a lot. We're trying to, you know, it's not that much different today, which is very, very sad in a way. Um, sad. Yeah. I understand. I agree with you. And, and now let me go to our, I'm only saying young actors because of what you just said, Brenda, which is, and so Maya, yeah. I'll start with you and I'll go to Jack. Um, Maya, I mean, these are very adult themes that you had to present your, your young performers in your career. How difficult was it to tackle these issues? What did Brenda uh, put you through um, to get ready to handle these issues on stage every night? Um, yeah, I, I think there is a lot that uh, my character has to do every night and has to bring every night. But one of the things that we talked a lot about was Venla's innocence and making sure that that um, comes across because otherwise, you know, like the whole story is about the fact that Venla is so innocent. Um, and doesn't know a lot of these things that are going on. So that was um, that was a really big thing for me, was figuring out how to make sure that that portrayed. Um, and just making sure that I was able to not take all of everything that's going on in the show, like, home with me. Separating that from myself um, is very important for me. That's a really important point. Jack, let me come to you, and I'm sure that maybe you and John Marshall Jr. have had some thoughts because he's, he's got a tough job on stage, too, with some <laughs> of the things he's got to pre- present. Uh, how did you prepare for this? Or was it sort of a, hey, come on, we're teenage guys. We're good with this stuff. 
No, no, it was terrifying. Um, <clears throat> I mean, it's definitely the most vulnerable or intimate I have ever had to be on stage. And I think um, going into it, we we had to just start building a a trust a, a trusting relationship so that we could do justice to the story because it is necessary to this story and um spring awakening there's a lot of metaphors there's a lot of um budding blossoming blooming the breaking open of a shell a new start it's very um symbolic of the act itself that takes place and the consequences of that and so we definitely had to spend a lot of time getting to know each other and Maya and I specifically working together a lot and deciding how with Brenda and Lorenzo, our assistant director, how we, and Christina Flutie, our intimacy director and choreographer and Tiffany Taylor, the woman who plays Ilsa, who is also our intimacy captain. There's a lot that goes into it for everyone involved. Um, And so, yeah, we took great care in building that um, space that we could really, really tell that story that, that deserves to be told. And uh, uh, Brenda, I'll come to you in just a moment. I'm going to come back to Maya for a moment because the music in this show, and I know your director, Justin Kono, um, I, I happened to watch a clip he did before the show opened just to, you know, as you guys were kind of doing a pre-show uh, clip on, on, on the Internet. And um, there's something magical about this show. And, and Justin talked about how important it was that this music just sort of be free and play free. Uh, can you talk a little bit, Maya, about the, the rehearsals you went through for this music? And did you know this music before you actually got familiar with this show for Porchlight? Yeah, so I I knew this show. I was Venla was one of my dream roles. Um, and I really, really wanted my school to do it before uh, COVID happened and everything shut down. So I listened and learned all of the songs a long time ago um, because I thought our school was going to do it. Um, so that actually came in handy for when we started rehearsals because I already kind of had a little bit of an idea of what, what needed to happen, but it was nice. You know, Justin's biggest thing was making sure that it was free and that it sounded natural. And it, it was really like, it's such an amazing thing to hear all of the, what everybody brings to that in their own way to each song that they sing. So, Ben, I want to come to you with a more general question about Porchlight because you're, I mean, obviously very involved with them and other theater companies, but you know, this is the first season back from COVID. Uh, I think Freaky Friday, actually, am I right, Maya? You were to be in Freaky Friday, right? I I was, yes. And we never got, I don't think it ever, I I never saw it, so I'm assuming it never hit opening night before COVID came, came (laughs) came into play. But Brenda, as you, as they kind of moved beyond that season, I sort of wondered whether a lot of theater companies would say, well, let's pick up where we left off. Porchlight chose not to do that. Um, I mean, number one, were these plays already, already in queue to, for this season, or was there a discussion about saying coming out of COVID, we have different messages to send. Let's, let's use this yeah. break in the right way. That's exactly what you just said. Um, you know, I'm also on the board of Porchlight, so there's a lot of discussion about when we come back, what are we doing? That's why Pump Boys and Dinettes and Blues of the Night were chosen, just smaller shows to start. We didn't know where we'd be in the pandemic. And then launching forward to Spring Awakening, that would be the main stage that had the most cast members. And I thought, what a great choice. What a brave choice. What a risky choice for a company, right? Um, but what a beautiful choice with all the young kids and spring and new beginnings. And like you said, all the themes in the show, it felt really right. So they, that's how their season was chosen. We're a different world now. We're different people than we were two years ago. 
um, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and Jack, somebody said, actually, you, Maya, you're the actors here. You were the ones that also got shut out of your lives and careers for the last two years. Uh, and I always felt bad because I, I don't know that, I mean, I know you guys are students, but so many actors in New York, you know, their, their sideline was to be a server to, you know, to work in the service industry to help pay the bills, and then they lost that too. I mean, it, it couldn't have been a worse couple of years. How did you cope during those couple of years, Jack, in terms of not being able to perform? Had you, had you given up hope, uh, and, and then the show comes along? Yeah, um, so I'm not uh, a student. I was I was years ago. Uh, Maya and I, I, there's actually a fair age gap between us. So I was working and living, and everything shut down. I was actually in California. I had left Chicago. I drove out. I packed my car. I went to California just to try it, you know, to see what L.A. was like. And it, ha- and it hit. And as the cities were shutting down, I was like, oh, it'll pass, it'll pass. And then my whole family calls me and they're like, you need to come home right now. And I'm like, okay, I mean, I, I guess, you know, it was serious. So I packed up and I came back and I did give up hope actually for a while. I, I never thought I would be on stage again for a moment. I took a job, like an online, you know, computery type at home job. And I jumped around a lot and we were all on unemployment for a long time. And it was really, it was really hard. It was, I don't know if necessarily sitting in a computer chair for two years did me much good. I, I would love to say that I sat at home and, did acting exercises and did yoga every day and practiced Shakespeare and did all the good things that you're supposed to do to be a good actor. But I did not, I really didn't. I just kind of tried to survive. And so for me coming back, I, the first thing I did was understudy in the notebooks of Leonardo da Vinci at the Goodman. And then this yeah. happened. I was, and I was, like I told you earlier, scared to death, absolutely scared to death, but was working on it every week with my voice teacher and reading the play and doing line work and all the other work that I could to, to try to give this what it needs. And because the first day everybody said, Brenda said, our choreographer Alejandra said, everybody mentioned this one word on the first day of rehearsal was how demanding it was going to be of us. And I think we, we had this sort of arbitrary idea of what that was, but really what it is is the tax that it takes on your body, on your heart, on your mind every night, every night. And if you come to see the play, you'll see why that is because it is in essence a tragedy. And we take you on that journey all the way from the highest highs to the literally the lowest low possible. And that's not a lot unlike what the pandemic was like. So I, all that said, I'm happy that it's over and I'm honored to walk into that theater every night and to do this show with these people, period. What a great answer. Maya, it's tough to ask you to follow up on that answer, but you are our current student, so uh, go ahead. Your thoughts. What were you thinking over this? We saw what Jack went through. What what went through you, and then to, and now here you are nightly on stage. Um, well, I was in school, and it was my, um, it was my soft, at the end of my sophomore year that, uh, that COVID hit. And I remember at first I was really upset because we were a week into rehearsals for Freaky Friday. Um, and I had a lot of fun and it was a really like, it, it was really fun music and it was a show that not a lot of people had seen before. So I was really excited to do it. So that really bummed me out for a while. Um, and I, like one of my biggest things was acting helps a lot with my anxiety. Anytime that I am on stage, it's able to go away. And I didn't have that. So COVID was really hard for me. I did not do as many things as I should have, like Jack said. Um, 
you know, but I, I definitely, I took a few workshops here and there, which was nice to kind of feel like I was still doing something, but I did not, um, I didn't do much at all for a long time. So coming back into this, I was really nervous, um, especially with the music and with everything that I had to do and bring to this show. I, I was really scared, but it immediately has been like one of the best experiences of my life. So it's good. So, <laughs> so good to hear. And, and Brenda, you know, as you, you just heard uh, Jack and Maya talking about, you know, what they went through here, you are mm-hmm. on the board of porch light, you work with other theater companies, had you given up hope? I mean, what sense did you, you know, we all remember that time in March of 2020 saying, well, this yeah. is going to be, we're going to be off for a couple of weeks and, uh, and then we'll be fine. And, and I want to also do a shout out because I have you address that. But one of the things that continues to impress me, look, I, you know, I'm more comfortable. I'm going to theater again. I respect the fact that Porchlight still looks for my vaccination card on the way mm-hmm. in and has me wear a mask during the show. Cause I'll tell you, mm-hmm. they're starting to loosen on all of that in a bunch of other mm-hmm. theaters. And I'm not sure I agree, but what's your thought? Mm-hmm. My thought is keep everyone safe because the minute we we are not we I went I did Cinderella it was my first show back at Paramount and we had to shut down for two weeks during the Omicron surge you know in the holidays and that was tough so I'd rather keep looking at the vaccine cards wearing the masks if that's what's going to take to keep theater alive then and to keep everyone safe then that's what we have to do you know and it's, I'm just so grateful I did Cinderella and we were in the middle of Skates the musical that I'm doing right now we were in the middle of previews in March when Royal George shut down. And I'm back at the Studebaker. I'm literally in rehearsal right now, talking outside. Um, and it's just so I'm so grateful to bring the, the work back. I think, you know, it's one of those old cliches. You don't know what you have until it's gone. You take it for granted, you know. I think we all did. And then to come back now and do a show like Spring Awakening with these incredible young artists and design teams, et cetera, it means so much more. And I don't know if it would be the same pre-COVID. I think it'd still be great, but it's something different now. There's more at stake, Right. I feel that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By the way, tell Ace and Deanna I said hi. I'll be interviewing them for Skates coming up. <laughs> I and uh, I actually I interviewed uh, DeGarmo back during Hair. And if you remember when Hair was here, um, they invited, I don't know if they invited, but somehow I ended up on stage performing Aquarius. So I don't, I don't know why that happened. And I think it took security to get me to sit down. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> I'll let them know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Please. And so, Jack, I, I, we'll wrap up here in a moment. But I just want to ask you. So, uh, to me, when people think Spring Awakening and even that documentary we talked about on HBO, there seems to be this thought that it's young people who are coming to see this, and, and young people are coming to see it, and they should. Is that the primary audience from your point of view for this show? I think it should be, yeah. I mean, I can, like, Maya and I can tell you we had an audience full of high school seniors, and I, in my, like, I don't know, 10 or 11 years doing this, I have never done a live scene in front of an audience that hung on every second like they did. It was incredible. And I think probably because they identify with it, it definitely touches adults too. When we're looking out at the final number, we can sort of see the audience is a little bit lit and it's more of a cathartic moment. We sort of close out these really hard themes with a nice breath of fresh air. And I can see people wiping tears from their masks and under their glasses and holding their hands to their mouths because it does touch everyone in a different way. Everybody has dealt with loss. That's what it means to continue living. And one of the really profound, difficult things about that is continuing living while losing more and more the the older you get. And these characters, some of them lose everything and some of them lose their own life. Uh, And so that is to me the most important 
thing. I, I think everybody can connect with it, but I do think we should have tons and tons and tons of young audiences coming in, no matter what that takes. And Maya, let me ask you kind of a similar question, but you had everybody from your parents and older people come and see the show who talk to you. And, and of course the young people, what different things do you hear from the different audience members that would lead you to say, here's who definitely needs to see this show? Yeah. So I, I have like a lot of my friends who are 17 and 18, uh, have come to see it. And a lot of their reactions is, Oh, I, I relate to that. Or, Oh, like I wish like, somebody had told me that when I was like 15 or, Oh, like I wish, you know, and it's so crazy to hear that because that's the reason that we're doing this is to show that not a whole lot has changed at all. And especially right now, um, with the past, you know, week that we've had and, and everything. So I think, uh, and my parents, you know, they absolutely loved it and they thought it was amazing, but they didn't have those same type of connections that the, my people, my age would have. So, so it was interesting for sure. Well, it, it, it's an amazing show and an amazing production, but again, uh, you know, everything Porchlight does is, I'm just, I'm sorry, but I'm biased in that way because I've, I've never seen a, a show that's not worth seeing there. And I want to encourage everybody to check out uh, Spring Awakening at Porchlight Music Theater. It's playing through June 2nd. Brenda, no, no extension on that, right? June 2nd's our date? June 2nd's a hard stop, so get your tickets now. You don't want to miss it. Mm-hmm. And you can get tickets at porchlightmusictheater.org. Theater is spelled the proper British way, T-R-E, at the end. Always like the fact that you guys do that. It's so classy. Um, and let me thank Brenda Didier, the director, choreographer, who's going to give my best to the cast of Skates for the future, and Maya Halaba, who plays Vendra, and Jack de Cesare, who plays Melchior. Thank you. Break legs, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your run. Congratulations. It's a wonderful production. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, Maya. Bye, Jack. I love you both. Bye. Bye.